what you learn as being an athlete is that every single thing takes time. And you just have to keep showing up, keep putting in the work. And it's, um, it's been very rewarding to be able to see that pay off. Hey guys, Hannah Donnelly here for another episode of On Her Mark, a podcast where we sit down with female athletes, fitness professionals, and women in sports to learn their stories and their why, all in an effort to find inspiration and celebrate those blazing trails for the next generation. If you've been following along here, you know that this is a big year for women's hockey. First, the new unified PWHL started play earlier this year, and we are lucky to have a team here in Boston. They play up in Lowell. And now, for the first time ever, the Women's College Beanpot Championship will be played at TD Garden. This has been a long time coming. The guys have played there for years. And this is the first year the women will take the ice there. It's a really cool moment for the current athletes, former players, and the future generations. Someone who knows that feeling of excitement and pride all too well is Reagan Rust. Reagan played for the 2019 Boston University Beanpot Championship team. And then in 2020, she earned a Hall of Fame induction. And then she brought it full circle. Earlier this year, she returned to campus at Boston University to become the team's assistant coach. This is Reagan's first year on the coaching squad for them, but she has spent her post-college years really tapped into the game. She's coached clubs and played professionally both here in the States and overseas. She's a fierce competitor and eager for this next chapter in her hockey career. Reagan is also a passionate advocate for mental health. She's been open about her own struggles with anxiety and depression. And after realizing that other athletes were facing similar struggles, she founded the Female Athlete Society in 2020. It's essentially a collection of resources for a variety of things, mental health, motivation, nutrition, recovery, and there's also a mentorship component to it, which is really important to Reagan. So in today's episode, we talk about that full circle bean pop moment that I mentioned earlier. She shares what's special about this year's BU squad, and she tells me that they already have the championship mentality, so they are poised and ready to take home the W. We also talk about Reagan's experience in the sport over the years. So she started playing when she was five years old in Mississippi, of all places. She tells us how she got into it and how she grew in it over the years. And then we pivot to talking about mental health, and she shares the first often scary step to take to improve your mental health. She's really honest about this, and she talks about the significance of telling her team some of her struggles, talking with them, and the impact that had for her. I had so much fun chatting with Reagan and can't wait for you all to hear more about her story. So let's not waste any more time, and please welcome Reagan Rust to the On Her Mark podcast. For Boston? So Boston as a whole, the Beanpot is the national championship for Boston schools. So the big four I like to consider, BC, BU, Northeastern, and Harvard. 
And so for us, it's just, it's a battle of pride at the end of the yeah. day, really. It's two of the hardest games you'll ever play in your entire life, but the most fun that you'll play in. And so we're very fortunate that we always have the best band there supporting us. So at Harvard, we had an incredible show out from all the student athletes, but it's a really big honor to play in the tournament. And so earlier this week, you guys beat BC to go to the championship. Um, what's special about this group this year? It's, it's a feeling you get. We were, we've been talking about it a lot um, since I got here. And it's just you can tell the difference. You can tell how much they want it. And everything that we've been doing in terms of preparation, in terms of being good teammates and creating a culture that we want to be in, it's, you, it's just different mm -hmm. for the first time in a while. And so I think everybody's starting to feel it, especially after the win. Like That was a huge boost for us mentally, emotionally. And now we're going to move into the next game. And, okay, so you were on the team in 2019 when you guys won the championship. You also had a big role in the semis going to, going to the championship, um, scoring in the shootout. Um, tell me what it's like now, you know, five, four or five years later, to be going back as, an, as a coach. It's definitely different. It's funny, too, because the girls keep coming up to me like, Reagan, we watched your shootout. We watched <laughs> you to get amped up before the game. I was like, guys, relax. It's okay. It's going to be good. But I think coming back, it's honestly like I have never loved a school so much. BU is just my pride and joy. And so even while I was away and I wasn't planning on coming back and coaching, but when I got the offer, I was like, oh, there's just no way I can say no. Yeah. And so it's been so good. The girls have been great. They welcomed me. I came in a little bit into the season. And so so just to make that transition super easy, they were incredible. What I love is that, so you do a lot of content creation and you posted a video recently of media day, essentially mm -hmm. for the Beanpot, where your players got to go be interviewed, take photos, videos, all of that, that stuff, that fun stuff to play at the garden. This is the first time that's ever happened. And you were crying in this video. I was, was like, crying. I've been crying a lot recently. <laughs> so kind of like explain the significance of playing at TD Garden. And this is like a long time coming for this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've seen the men play every single year. And I was on a call recently and somebody said she was on the first ever Beanpot tournament team. And she's just like, yeah, we just figured, you know what, we'll rotate. We'll like... It'll be nice, it'll be super small for us, and it'll be super intimate. And now it's like we're on a level playing field for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's super cool because on that same video that you were just talking about, I said we had to beg for championship hats. And so now mm -hmm. to be where we are, this is incredible. That's just wild. And it wasn't that long ago. I think like that's mm -hmm. the, more, the most important thing, right? It's not like that was 20 years ago yeah, that you guys were begging <laughs> to be, to get what like the men, the men get that like a handout, like, mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. You, want a hat? you get a hat, you get a hat. You get a t-shirt, you get hoodies, you get everything. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and so when you, you mentioned that you transitioned into coaching at BU, um, and, but coaching wasn't, wasn't the immediate first step for you after college. You went and played professionally. So talk about the professional experience going from BU then to, to the next level. So my first year, I ended up playing in the PWHPA, which is no longer around because we have the one condensed league now. But my first year out, I was working full time at TJX Companies out in Framingham. So I was still living in Boston, training. And it was a few games that we didn't really, we didn't have our own locker room, not our own rink, anything along those lines. I ended up quitting that job in like July 2020 and going to Budapest because I got an offer. And so I was living in Hungary for about two months. COVID hit again, yeah. came back, and then I was working out in Minneapolis. But 
I got another, I got a message on Instagram actually. <laughs> Do you want to play pro hockey in Sweden? I was like, sure, where? Get out. Yeah. Slid I, into those DMs. Slid into the DMs. <laughs> That's how I got recruited to play college hockey too. So, oh, it's <laughs> wild all, enough. All in the I DMs. I love it. I love it. All right. All right. So then you went over to Sweden. That's where you spent most of, most of the time, right? Yeah. I spent nine, ten months over there playing my third season, mm -hmm. and that was so fun. It was just an incredible experience. The culture, the people, everything. Like I still have some of my best friends over there. Mm -hmm. And then this past season, I was in uh, just outside of New York, so in New Jersey, and that was a, a truly in a professional experience with the Metropolitan Riveters. So it's been a, a wild journey to see how much it's grown over the past four years. Yeah, and that's. I mean, now we have. Um, the PWHL, which is here in Boston too. So it's a big moment for women's hockey, which is awesome. What has the transition been like from, from playing competitively to coaching? It's funny because I retired three times. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't sure, that's okay, that's sure. all right. Pull the Tom Brady. Yeah. Well, people just kept sending me offers. So I was like, okay, maybe I will. <laughs> but yeah, I retired those few times. And let me say those first few times were really challenging and then mm -hmm. It was this last time I actually had an offer to play in multiple places. And I was in Costa Rica with my sisters, and then I just had a feeling. I was like, I don't think it's for me. So I didn't sign. I called them whenever I got home, and mm -hmm. I was like, I think it's time for me to move on. And then I started doing a lot of social media. I started setting a bunch of unrealistic goals, but now I'm here, so I guess it's good. <laughs> uh, the bigger the goal, the better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think for me, I still get that competitive drive being with the girls, and like mm -hmm. I get to take ownership over different parts of the team, and so for me right now, I'm really honing in on the skill aspect, mm -hmm. which is so fun, but it's, I mean, I just, I'm very competitive in everything, so even if it's like in practice, I'll just do some competition with the girls. I love that. So mm -hmm. you're still on the ice, you still get that atmosphere, you're still involved. Hockey is such a big part of your life, right? It's been your profession, it's been your hobby, your passion, all of those things. You're from Mississippi, and I think hockey's not as big there. It's a hotbed, <laughs> hotbed for hockey, come on. How did you first get into hockey? I started going to Memphis River Kings games with my aunt and my sister. So my mama told my aunt to go one day, and then she started going. She was like, oh, you guys should come with us. And so. I was five years old, my sister was seven, and then that year they ended up making a, a rec league. And they're like, you guys should come out, it's gonna be so much fun, there's gonna be so many girls. <laughs> my sister and I show up, it's us two, one other girl and 30 boys. And so from there, we just traveled all over, Nashville, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Detroit, driving 12 hours there, 12 hours back every other weekend. Which is crazy, and and you were playing on a boys team, so that, that mm -hmm. kind of, those small, small number of girls continued, right, throughout yeah. a lot of your, your childhood. Um, props to your mom. Oh, she is a beauty. <laughs> <laughs> like 12 hours. She's one of those dedicated hockey parents, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> she must be so proud now to see, to see it all pay off, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. She always tuned into my games wherever I was. I ended up gifting her like one of my jerseys just to say like, this is as much mine as it is yours. So oh. it is uh, a full experience with her. What was it like playing on the boys teams did it ever did it did it ever was it significant for you or was it just like this is what I do it was a little bit of both okay. I mean I had my best friend with me which is so nice I just saw her a couple weeks ago for the first time in a while but we grew up playing together driving all those hours like there's nobody I've sat in a car with longer than my best <laughs> friend Kyla and so I think for us we always had each other so it wasn't too big of a deal and the boys just treated us like we were one of the one of them and mm -hmm. so they had a lot of respect for us and I think that was the biggest thing just be able to have that sort of connection with them. So now today to see so many more youth girls programs to see so many more opportunities for young women in the sport and to also look up to the to the pros 
and to have an example of what it can look like. Do you wish that you had something like that as a young girl? Yeah, I think for me, I didn't even really know. Like that was mm -hmm. a thing. So I think I always looked up to the male hockey players. I saw the semi-pro mm -hmm. guys that played for the Memphis River Kings. Mm -hmm. And then I started to see, oh, there's a US Olympic team for women's. Mm -hmm. And I saw Julie Chu and mm -hmm. that was a really crazy to be on the bench. Like I ended up playing against her team in college. And so that was super cool because I kept her index card in my wallet for four or five years. Wow. That said, dream big, Julie Chu. And how cool is that? Yeah. So I think as I got a little bit older, started playing for the girls teams, then I got to see all that there was with women's hockey. I love that. And I love that there's like this is the a big moment for it right now. And between the bean pot and then the pro league coming to Boston. And I just think there's this is this is a, a crucial time. And you guys are setting such a, a strong example. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. One thing I also want to talk about is that you've been a huge advocate for mental health. We were just joking before of, of kind of like what it, you go through as an athlete, mm -hmm. um, especially at a collegiate level, and then go into the world and you're like, oh, I'm a person now. I'm just not a regular athlete. human being. <laughs> yeah. um, but kind of talk about like about your mental health journey and why, um, I guess maybe let's start with the Female Athlete Society, which you mm -hmm. founded in 2020, and what that is and why it was important to you. So Female Athlete Society started because when I was younger, I didn't see everything that I could potentially be one day. And so I wanted to be a mentorship program and we had hundreds and hundreds of girls reach out. And so basically I put out a video on TikTok when I got back from Budapest and ended up getting over 100,000 likes and over 2,000 DMs, like Instagram, TikTok, both of them were broken. And so they were all asking about the same thing, like how do I stay disciplined? How do I get the motivation to work out? How, like what should I be eating? Where should I be working? Like all those things that go into being a female athlete. And I was like, I gotta do something. Yeah. And so I made an offline site just to where, it was like a community for all female athletes. So at one point we had over 400 athletes from 15 countries and we would do uh, once a month, maybe twice a month calls and they could ask any questions. And then it was just like a full feed where they can put whatever they want in there. And so tons of resources, meetings, all that stuff. And that's such a huge part of it because I think a lot of times when we look at women's sports, the big, the big difference, I guess, between it in men's sports is the men have more resources. Um, women, we're getting there, mm -hmm. but they have more resources. And so what, what, especially when it comes to like mental wellness, mental fitness and mental health, what were the biggest questions that these athletes had and needed resources for? I think for the mental health side of it, it was like, I don't know where to even start. Mm. And that was the hardest thing for me trying to figure out. And now just putting those resources, like this is exactly like a step-by-step, -step. like you need to talk to your parents or like a trusted adult, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And then when it came to the mental performance side, it was more so the discipline, the motivation, the how do I keep showing up even when I'm not seeing the results. And yeah. so those were really big things. But I think what you learn as being an athlete is that every single thing takes time and you just have to keep showing up, keep putting in the work, and it's, um, it's been very rewarding to be able to see that payoff. And so you've, you've 
you've been open about struggling with mental health. You've kind of experienced it at all ages, right? So the, like, was it 14, 14 is when it started. And mm -hmm. um, so like those high school years versus collegiate years versus adulthood is are like different different beasts yeah. in a lot of ways. Of their own. Yeah, so um, what were, what's your best piece of advice for someone kind of in those teen years trying to navigate depression, anxiety, and, and kind of that stress levels? I think the first thing is just being able to reach out. Mm. And that was something that I, I couldn't pull myself to do. I wasn't strong enough at that point. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know who to turn to either. And so I think like if you know somebody that you can reach out to, that's the first step. And then just being honest with yourself, like. I'm not okay and I do need help and it's okay to ask for help and so mm -hmm. just being willing to have that conversation. Because it makes you a better person, a better athlete, all of those things when you have the support that you that you need and there is not, it's okay to not be be okay. What was the um, impact that sharing some of those struggles with your teammates had on you? Did it kind of like lift this weight for you? Yeah, I think the first time I actually started talking about it was in 10th grade when I went to prep school. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people I'm still friends with today, which is amazing. But seeing them be open with their struggles as well, I think that's what made me start to feel comfortable. And then I started doing it in college, too, because, I mean, you're a family when you're in college. Like, you're with each other almost 24-7. Yeah. Scary amount of time. It's, it's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> and so I think getting that support, especially whenever I was going through, when I first transferred to BU, the coaching staff, they're like, if you need a day, if you, whatever time you need, you take it because we want you to be the best version of yourself and we're here to support you in whatever way possible. So that was, that was really nice to hear. So I think I, I read something or heard something that um, at BU, you guys have a no questions asked. Yes. Can you explain that? Cause this is the coolest thing. <laughs> yeah, I, we didn't really have it. It wasn't like a, a super like told thing whenever I was in school, but yeah. with Watchhorn and Myers, they said, yeah, it's just a day where if you're not feeling your best, that's okay. You mm -hmm. just say, I think I'm going to take my no questions asked day. And we ask no questions. Mm -hmm. And then they can come and talk to us after if they want to. But yeah. for the most part, it's just, if you need a day, it's yours. What a, that's such an, so important for creating the safe space, right? And mm -hmm. for, because I think when you look at collegiate athletes, especially like, no person is going to be like, I just want to like phone in the day. I just want to like not yeah. work hard, right? Like there's a reason for taking mm -hmm. the no questions asked. Yeah, and day. we've had quite a few girls take it too, which has been really cool to see. Yeah, And I think it just goes to show like how safe of an environment we've made for them to like feel comfortable to take it because there was no chance a lot of us wanted to take it back when I was in college or maybe 100%. you either. Oh my gosh, I remember when I was in college and playing, um, playing volleyball, we you know, for the first few years, I, we all just like heads down doing our thing. And it was about my junior, senior year. There was like some murmurs of people kind of sharing some of their struggles and things. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, a few of us looked at each other and we we're like, are we all in the same boat? Like, are we all feeling the same way? Yeah. And we were, and then all of a sudden we started sharing it with each other. And it was like, oh, we have a support system right here. Mm -hmm. And it made everything better. It made practice easier because you were like, okay, someone's got my back. Not that they didn't have your back before, yeah. but when they know, when they know what you're going through, it's so much better. So much better. It's so much better. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I don't. And that was what, 10, that was 10, 10 years ago <laughs> for me. So times have changed. You know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully times have changed there. Um, so I think that's really cool with what you guys are doing, doing at BU. Um, okay. So when you look at the championship, what's it going to take for your girls to bring it home? 
I think it's just a mentality yeah. at the end of the day. I think they're already starting to believe that they are champions, and that's the biggest thing. They already know how to play. They've been playing their entire lives. It's yeah. nothing different than the games that we're playing this weekend, last weekend, anything along those lines. Like, they are very confident in who they are, not only as players, but also as people. And I think the culture that we've created gives them the opportunity just to showcase whatever they have. And we know that they got a lot. Yeah. What do you hope that young girls, um, young girls, boys, and even their parents uh, feel on, on Tuesday night when they, when they watch you guys take the ice? Probably a lot of emotions. Like, yeah. I might be tearing up. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I was tearing up the P-Dub game. We took all the girls yeah. to that. And so I think for them to see that, and now they're going to be, the, they're going to have all the eyes on them. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really cool experience for them because they're going to be professionals soon. And I hope they just have a sense of pride in everything that we have accomplished so far. It's come a long way since the 80s. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a really cool thing about this moment. We're talking, you know, I'm, I'm asking about this next generation, but I think it's so significant for the generations that came before and mm -hmm. paved the way. And it's like, it's this moment of pride of like, what we worked for, mm -hmm. it's coming, it's happening. Yeah. Because this is what so many have pushed for for years. Mm -hmm. We were just chatting with a few alum of um, Northeastern. They were chatting about what, how this is so significant and how they just, I mean, they're flying in for this. Like, this is a big moment. We have one of our biggest fans coming in from Notre Dame, actually. Wow. She'll be flying in. There's people that want to tune in from all over the world, but yeah. it's only going to be showcased, I think, in U.S. and Canada. But I hope mm -hmm. one day that everybody in Europe and New Zealand and Australia, like, if they want to watch it, they can watch it, too. Yeah. So it's a huge deal. This is, this is really, really fun. Okay, so we've kind of talked about your hockey career. We've talked about the Female Athlete Society, but you do a lot of content creation and all of these. What's still on your, your bucket list to do? I feel like I've done a lot. When it comes to hockey, I think I'd, I'd love to branch into more sports too and mm -hmm. just be able to bridge that gap because there's so many amazing female athletes. I was a season ticket holder to Angel City FC <clears throat> out in LA. Lucky duck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And when I was out there, it was incredible to go to those games, and they were just sold out almost every single game. Mm -hmm. And all the basketball players, like I went to a Connecticut Suns game mm -hmm. recently, and they are so good at basketball. So good. And then <laughs> we met some of the Liberty girls as well whenever I was playing with the Metropolitan Riveters. Well, first of all, they're like 6'8". It's wild. And they're incredible. They're like the most physically fit, like just... Amazing, mm -hmm. amazing. TV doesn't do it justice. You yeah. gotta go to a game in person. <laughs> yeah, so I'd love to make it to more of their games and be able mm -hmm. to showcase their talents as well just because, I mean, the more eyes on female athletes, the better. I love that, I love that. You love to travel. Love. Okay, so <laughs> bucket list of, of vacation or travel. Ooh, I wanna go to Bora Bora. Okay. And oh, there's so many. I want to go back to the Philippines and see my family. Okay. Which would be really nice. I've been to 30 countries already, but I want to make it to every single one. So I don't know wow. if that's going to be possible in the next 10 years, but. Set the goal high. Yeah, we're going to set, set it high. Set the goal We're going to go high. to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. What has been your favorite location that you've traveled so far? I know you mentioned, wasn't it Sweden that you loved being, um, but is is that it, or is there another? I loved living in Sweden. Sweden okay. was great. Well, minus like the three-hour sunlight in the winter. That one was tough. <laughs> but I, Croatia was great. Mm. Prague was great. Um, definitely the Philippines. Like It, it was yeah. unmatched getting to go there for, for the first time with my mom, with my entire family, and then meeting our other family that's been there. Yeah. And so uh, definitely Philippines. So I ask everyone this question. On tough days, and I feel like this carries maybe a little more, more weight for you as someone who's been who's been 
open and vulnerable with people about, um, you know, pushing, pushing through. Do you have a mantra that gets you through? I say it's everything's going to work out. Mm. It's all going to work out. And then I just repeat that to myself when I'm super stressed or like if I have so many things on my to accomplish list or whatever it is. I'm just yeah. like, take a breath. We're good. Yeah. I love that. And I, what, what do you do if, if it's all, it's all going to work out, how do you keep yourself grounded every day in those, in those moments of high stress or low days and things like that? I know you were open about a little over a year ago on your social media platform. What, what keeps you grounded? My friends, mm. my support system, I call them very often, especially yeah. if I'm having a bad day. I just know like seeing their face is going to make me feel a lot better. Yeah. That running now, I'm running a marathon soon. <laughs> you are? Which one? My own. My own personal marathon. I love this. <laughs> oh my gosh. When are you doing this? On my birthday, February 25th. Oh my God. This is For amazing. mental health, actually. Yeah. Get out. Wait, tell us more about this. Where did this idea come from? Uh, where did it come from? <laughs> well, I kept telling myself, I was like, oh, I'll never run a marathon. Like, I just, I know I could do it. I don't want to. Yeah. And so it was like that limiting belief. <clears throat> and I wanted to just get rid of it. I was like, I'm already running. I may as well just start training. And so my best friend ran the Boston Marathon, ran a track at BU. And he was like, I'll be your coach. I was like, perfect. And then the idea is to have 25 other people run it with me. So the first mile, I'll tell my story with mental health. Second mile, somebody else will tell their story and then continue until the 26th or 25th mile. I hope like my team will come and run the last bit with me. And then it'll just be a full experience for student-athlete mental health to raise awareness for it. That's incredible. And so it's at the end of February, is that yes. what you said? Okay, where are you running it? In Boston here? Just all around Boston. I don't really have this set like track for it. No, but, but this is incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Talk about things like dreaming big. This is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, okay. Is, are you raising money? Like, can people donate? Tell, tell the people, <laughs> tell the people. I was going to make an announcement after the bean pot. Okay. I, I okay. To sorry. On, no, no, you're good. But <laughs> I was focusing on the bean pot more than anything. And then I'll make the announcement about like where to donate and everything. Amazing. But there's three organizations that I want to give the money back to three yeah. that I've worked with in the past. And it's all regarding student athletes that have been majorly impactful. And so there's, like one of them, for example, is a football player from Washington State. Mm -hmm. And I met um, some of his family through a podcast. And so there's that. There's Victoria Garrick's yep. foundation. So I'm going to work with all of those different ones. That's incredible. It's so important. And I love that you mentioned you, you brought in the, a football player there, too, because we it's important for men and women mm -hmm. um, to to reach out for for mental health support and to to get that, especially in sports. Um, get rid of the stigma. I think we're making progress, but slow, slow progress, slow but progress. over time it'll, it'll get there. This is awesome. Tell people where they can find you on the socials at ray.rust on Instagram and Reagan Russ on TikTok. Well, good luck next week or tonight, whenever you're listening to this and thanks for taking the time to be here. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I could have talked to Reagan all day. You guys, this was such a fun one. She is just so cool and she's doing so much to elevate women's sports, which we love around here and advocate for mental health, which we also love around here. So props to Reagan for all that she's doing. And I love that she dreams big. So I can't wait to see her continue to crush all of her goals. If you guys want to follow along with Reagan on social, follow along with her upcoming marathon, which is pretty exciting. You can follow her, like she said, on social at Ray.Rust. 
And remember, stay locked in on all things on her mark on social by following NBCS Boston. And I'm over at underscore Hannah dot Donnelly. And if you guys are loving these conversations, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow along, rate, review, share it with a friend, post about it on social. However you want to show your love, we appreciate it. It helps so much in this podcast space, and it helps us keep bringing you these conversations each week. All right, that does it for me today. I'll catch you guys next time.